0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the Dirty Hurts Podcast. I'm your host, High Fives. Hold up, fives. hold up, hold
1: up. Are you not doing the intro music? In post, I am. Okay, start over. Sorry, I fucked it up. Now we're keeping it.
0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the Dirty Hurts Podcast. I'm your host, High Fives. I am Slow Boy. And as always... We appreciate you all for uh hanging in with us. We got a nice little special guest for you for the 50th episode. Oh, this is the 50th. We were saving <clears throat> we were saving the big 50 for a special guest and today we have a local legend here. I'm not that old. Local legend. I didn't say <laughs> old legend. Give it up for Matt Ramsey.
2: <sighs> Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Are we using
2: superhero names? I heard superhero names. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well I'm Ramzilla, it's my trap name. There's mm-hmm. V's
2: in there. We can spell it out. Can you put that on the screen?
0: Yeah, we could we could add some Rapzilla Matzilla? Yeah. Ramzilla. Ramzilla. Yeah. I got it all wrong. I'm not to be messed here. with. <laughs> <laughs> so how you doing? I'm good, man. Appreciate you coming on. This is awesome.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we've talked about it for a bit, and yeah. you know, yeah. I've been a fan of the show a little bit, and I appreciate I've it. Seen some episodes, listened to some episodes more so, to be honest. Appreciate <laughs> it. We'll you know?
0: take we'll take any viewer listener <laughs> yeah. we can get. Yep. Uh, but yeah, uh, we, uh, you know, we've had some artists on here, and we really wanted to switch it up and get someone who's on the op- opposite end of the decks i guess to say yes someone who you know uh, puts the shows together someone who just promotes or even just any anything in general that's not a producer pretty much because i mean we could talk to a producer any day
1: yeah well you know some of the people we had on here um mark instinct or known as sister mary now sister mary um and cyber optics yeah also he's a friend of mine yeah i call him a friend i'll go that far that was and that's cool the reason they were on this podcast yeah basically (laughs) you know a lot of the shows we talk about and things we've done um are a direct result of what he's built over is it 14 years now Fourteen years
2: today, yeah. Actually, uh, Um fourteen years today, which is great with the fiftieth episode. Yeah, I was telling Mike, I didn't even realize it until my Facebook memories came up. Fourteen years ago today, I did my fir- very first show, uh, August twenty third, two
1: thousand eight. Twenty third, yep. I liked looking at that flyer and how it had like the description of what kind of music they were, and it's like you know what they probably needed that back then. It was too. a different time. Yeah. It was a
2: different time back then. Not everybody had all that information. A lot of people did, though. They. It was a time before, um, a lot of the internet and social media stuff that we have now. So, um, Passing people, out that flyers. that readily readily available information just wasn't at your fingertips like yeah. it is now. Like if you say, "Oh, I've got high five, slow boy," like boom, I can look you up. I can find your Facebook right. page, your Instagram, your Twitter, SoundCloud, SoundCloud. like that. You didn't have that back. I mean, even as not as far back as two thousand eight, you just didn't have that's artists harder. just weren't as online. And right. A lot of the DJs that were prevalent back then that are still considered legends and whatnot, um, even now their social media is weak.
0: because yeah. that's
2: not their game. Yeah. yeah. That's not their thing. These young kids have come in and made social media like that's their they they they're on social media yeah. before they produce now. Exactly. Before they DJ even. <laughs>
0: Oh was that? Oh that is automatic, oh, it's cat automatic feeder cat. going. <laughs> yeah. We, I was about to say what the hell is that? It's a good possessed. thing I locked them up because right. we'd have a a race here, Yeah, it would three be cats
1: just jumping fighting. over all the equipment to get to the food. It's
0: too wild. I was to say I, make uh, it rain.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. More food. Cheetos probably freaking out right Wait, now. We got a cat right there trying to really? checking it out. Yeah, there's oh, a cat shit. looking in the window like what? The fuck. neighbor
2: cat even heard that, huh? Yeah, they're yeah. like ready to feed. Or these fans for the podcast? Yeah, right. right.
0: I was going to say, like, I... Trying to get a glimpse. we got a live audience. Exactly.
2: (laughs) We heard he was in the block. Uh,
0: Um, But, yeah, I pretty much grew up, I mean, through social media. Like, I remember when Twitter first started. I remember when Instagram first started. And I was, you know, Snapchat, everything. I know you guys, too. But I was so into the social media stuff. I was always posting, you know, just random shit for no reason. Even before I was a producer. And now that I'm, like, super dead serious about it... I've been since I started, obviously, but over time, I kind of just, like, fell off with posting. And I feel like it's definitely, like, hindering me in a way. Because I, I, there's a lot of artists out here, even local guys who are just posting a bunch, and they get that interaction. And it's like, more people are going to see your stuff, and they're more inclined to probably even click the link to listen to your stuff. And, you know, it's it's a blessing and a curse. It's a balance. Yeah, for sure.
2: It's a balance. It's a... Uh... It's kind of like MMA. You know, you've got your guy that's, yep. that can stand up and box. you got your guys that can get on the ground. Yep. you got your guys that can kick. You know, you, if, if you can do all of that and you're the total package, those are the guys you know about. Right. Um, at least now, so. The the Hoist oh, yeah. Gracie, and I don't know, I'm not going to get into all the MMA stuff, but <laughs> um, some of those old school guys weren't like that. And right. now, today, you've got to be... You know, logs. social media guru, you've got to be, yeah. um, or at least starting off, we'll say starting off, because once you get going, you've got teams that handle that stuff. I deal with right. with teams for some of these bigger artists. I've been dealing with their team completely until day of show, and then that's the only time I even talk to the artist is oh, day wow. of show, whereas before, I've got their marketing persons hitting me up, I've got their agent hitting <sighs> me up, I've got their manager hitting me up, and there's like some of these guys like Peekaboo and some of these bigger ones um, they've got a full entourage of a team, and I deal with different people for different yeah. things depending on what it is. Um, whereas you know the up and coming producer, you know you've got to do all of those things, Everything. and it's good to know how to do those. Things. Of course, even if when you get bigger you don't do them, um, it's good to know how. Yeah. Um, and you know, and that is part of the game. And unfortunately, unfortunately, and that's honestly how I got into it. Is I, I liked. I'm not a camera person. I don't want to be on stage. <laughs> You're right. um, this, this is a little weird for me. Um,
0: it takes a second. Yeah. I'm,
2: I'm a marketing guy. So I like to point at other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to go, this is the guy, Yeah. you know, it's never, yep. this is the guy. I right. never see yeah. that come out yeah. or hear it come out of my mouth. Um, that's not me. Um, but that's been my talent and what yeah. I've brought to the table is being able to, um, a put a pretty bow on it and package it yep. and, and sell it to people. Yeah. Um, sell the tickets and,
0: and whatnot. Marketing so. is a huge talent that it's just like, it's s- another talent. Yeah.
2: It's, it's just another thing. It and really is. It's, you know, you were talking about the opposite end of, of the event spectrum. Um, for me, it's a very symbiotic, symbiotic relationship, um, with the, the producer and DJ types Yeah, is, um, you know, with, I'm not going to say without me, it wouldn't happen, but I do see a lot of the, you know, without the DJ, the show doesn't happen. Well, without the, the person that put it together, without right. the person that, the, venue. the designer that made the flyer, the yeah. venue, the person yeah. working the door, um, the, you know, the street team, the, you know, everything that goes into yeah. it, there's so much, yeah. you know, the production, the sound guy, you know, it, it doesn't happen without all of those things working in harmony, Yeah, um, and that's, that's why it's good to have a good team. Absolutely, because you know it's it's hard. I did it a lot of it by myself for a very long time,
1: and
0: it's it it was a struggle. <laughs> yeah, say, take us back to those days when you first well, started. Like what? Or go ahead.
1: I have to say, what was the change like for that? So if it was starting off um, without social media, I mean, I'm sure there was a learning curve. But um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you see like a influx of attendance once you were able to tap that market, or was it just kind of smooth transition? Same, just getting with. The change or what? Um, I'm, I'm a fairly adaptable
2: person. Um, I, you know, I've, I've had to face a lot of challenges in my life personally, professionally. Um, and I quickly learned that um, being able to adapt and, um, you know, adjust as you go, um, being able to critique yourself is a lot of that and being humble enough to go, man, I screwed that up or this could have been better. Yeah. Um, and then learning from that, mm-hmm. um, is really how the progression went. And social media was no different. Um, back when I started promoting, it was MySpace. space. Uh, Hell yeah. Yeah. MySpace. my top eight. I put you, I put you guys in my top eight. Hey, right now, I appreciate that. If I had a top eight. Exactly. Um, and you know, we did a little MySpace. I did a lot of networking. Um, that was a thing I learned from the first event to the second event. Um, was how I needed to immerse myself in the scene a little more. Um, But then, you know, made the gradual move to to Facebook once it became more of an open thing and not just for college students. Uh, You know, I just kind of learned as I went and started using the tools, and the more tools that were given to me, I learned how to use those Um, outside of a few. I haven't gotten on TikTok yet. I've been resisting, but...
0: It's coming. I man i resisted for so long and then one day i was like you know what let me try it you just do honestly if you just do like a day of uh if you just do like a day of just tick and like liking or disliking things for some reason the next day it's like oh this is funny oh shit this is funny yeah. oh shit this is funny oh shit it's get like, your algorithm down dude. and you could spend
1: hours on that. oh if i've you don't killed turn it
0: off yeah i've killed an hour of just swiping up i'm just like how am i i need to get off i'm glad now some guy it's like the tiktok page they're like you've been swiping for too long yeah go take a break and drink some water and i'm just Fuck like that dude, shut up, I, dude. Just go right past go. <laughs> that's pretty funny i'm doing yeah. another 20 minutes of this dude. stop yeah <laughs> that's stop. i mean honestly need that's what that. we need to be
2: doing yep. and back to you know talking about you know taking time to produce and do things and yep. work um it's a balance yeah. And you can't spend all day scrolling on social media. I catch no. myself doing it, and it's part of my job. And I'll, you know, I'll catch myself like, damn, I've been going through Instagram yeah. for thirty minutes now. Like, yeah. what am I doing? I got to go do this other stuff. And
1: yeah, it is part of it because right.
2: your algorithm, your algorithm is is they've gotten really smart. their the AI on those apps is insane. And you know, you start liking stuff, they'll start showing you stuff that they yeah. think you will like based yeah. on what you've already liked. Yeah. And it's wild to me. Yes. Um, it's it's insane. I'm sure, you know, there'll be studies way down the road that's going to show how, how much it's
1: fucked us up. Can yeah. I say that on here? especially, but, absolutely,
2: yeah. um, say any word. Yeah, um,
1: after, after 15 minutes,
0: right? Well, they eat something <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We've entered up. the cuss
1: zone. Yep. <laughs> I think we're it
0: good. is. Uh, whatever. We're not going to get monetized yeah. <laughs> anytime soon, but... Uh, You got me on here now. Right. (laughs) It's going to get get boosted up. No, even um, because TikTok is from China, even the like, they don't even let their kids use it that much. Or if they do, they show them like, you know, science projects or people winning Nobel Peace Prizes. And then for America, they only have people doing dance moves and, you know, wrong one. Just random guys. uh, It was on me. And mood lighting. Right. But like random bullshit for us, like dancing or just stupid pranks or, you know, whatever. But then in China, they have like all smart people. I'm like, oh, look at this guy in tech and he started a business and all right, you only been on for 20 minutes. Get off.
1: I've gone down the Chinese propaganda tunnel on there and that's, uh, but I saw something too about how, how bad TikTok actually is with like watching what you're doing and learning about you and what i didn't i didn't watch the video completely i just saw it i'm like oh i want to come back and watch this
0: they pretty much they pretty much have access to your phone instagram is emulating that as well now too great
2: they're trying to be they're they're trying to facebook instagram because they're the same um you mean meta yeah meta (laughs) meta world Um, peace
0: yeah i'm never saying meta for facebook yeah i can't either
2: (laughs) i i get it in my my email sometimes but i um They, they are absorbing any sort of competition or any sorts of bits of their, and they're doing the same thing. And that's why video has become so prevalent for Instagram. They've learned that that's what people want, right? They're, they're taking our likes and turning that into showing us what they think we like. Exactly. It's wild. I got on there and, and it's, it annoys you. It'll automatically flip to suggested and not just who you follow. It won't just default to really? who you follow. Yeah, I've switched it dozens of times and it switches back. And they keep wanting to show you these suggested feeds, and they're all videos, and they're all and it depends. You know, you go through, you know sometimes it'll be DJs, but you know, you go through like a breakup or something. That's when you notice it. It's like, Oh shoot. Suddenly I'm getting all these <laughs> motivational. That person wasn't the one. Right. I'm just like, where did this come from? Yeah, I'm not even following you with the narcissist. <laughs> yeah. It's stuff like that. It's crazy, man. And, um, I imagine TikTok's the same. I don't need that, man. I, I got,
0: it's a lot. For I am sure.
2: so busy and I don't have time to get on another platform and do things. I know from a, a marketing standpoint we probably should have someone on
0: there uh, but you're good our fact checker we, just pulled up Fact we checkers here. fact it's checker special guest mtb back. say hi you're in Canada. on our way to hi. dance fest what's good <laughs> on, on the road to dance festopia yep, the yellow brick
1: road follow the yellow brick road you know so as annoying as that is it also is uh beneficial to what we're doing right because <laughs> that's how you get the ads in if front of the right people. If or. you're a
2: producer DJ, if you're a promoter um, that's not necessarily followed by everyone, if you do your social media right, yeah, or I say right because stuff changes every week, yeah. every yeah. day, every minute, I don't even know anymore. Um, keeping up with those trends and doing those things, um, it's how you get discovered. Yeah by someone that's not already following you or doesn't necessarily hear right. your name, your, your video could show up and you're like, Oh wow, that's a cool video. Who that is that? Looks cool. Or like, oh man,
0: that's high five. Right. What's this music about? And they're yeah. like, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I did. Right. They're like, uh ah, no, I had to do one set or two or three.
1: Yeah. Um, so <laughs> no, <laughs> bringing it back, I guess to, uh, kind of the chain of events for thanks. Um, you know what? So what got you really going? I know I've heard about um, an infamous party you went to. Oh, like how I started? Yeah, yeah. Oh man,
2: I haven't told the story in a while, but it's yes. it's a good one. Pay exclusive? attention. This yes. I don't know if it's exclusive because it's been told before, but is it online? Um,
0: no. Exactly. There we go. We're getting the first of a lot of things. Yes. That's, yeah,
1: That's true. That's that's true. I got to hear this after hours tearing shit down. That's uh. Yeah, it it comes exclusive. up
2: every now and then and it's it's crazy. I I've always been a fan. I've always been a music fan. I'm I don't know currently. I'll say I was a dancer. I used to dance all the time. <laughs> um every now and then you'll catch me busting some some things out, but I used hey. to live in the break circle. I oh, live there.
0: Like like straight up like b-boying.
1: Yeah! Wow! And liquid, okay. liquid was more my thing. Stay tuned to the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a
0: nah, dance off. You get that
2: clip? It'll will, will go viral. Yeah. <laughs> that's when we. That's how I'll start my TikTok. Exactly.
0: Just do a head spin
2: dance. I don't do all that, but <laughs> I, I was a fan, and I would dance. I would literally go to shows and dance. I, we, my group would come in. They'd follow me around. I would find my spot. I would start. Dancing, they knew they could drop their coats, that would become home base, and I would not so, move. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would not move. People would bring me water, and and you could base an event or how good an event was by how many times I went to the bathroom. Because I would oh. sweat so much and dance so much, I would not go to the bathroom. So that, if I went to the bathroom a bunch, that's a bunk ass party. Those DJs <laughs> were whack. <laughs> I could or I couldn't get my groove. We'll go with that. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't yeah. get my groove. Yeah. So um, I just wouldn't dance, but there were nights I would not. I would sweat. I would drink. I would chug water, and back at those those raves, those were raves back then. Um, you know, they didn't have alcohol. I didn't really drink anyway, um, and I would just I would just drink water. I would eat uh, mini thins or ephedrine, like legal speed, over the counter speed, <laughs> and uh, and just dance all night. And these were when parties would go till sunup, and then you'd go to the after party. Like they were pretty intense back then. Um, So I I was always a fan and I would help some promoter friends in terms of, you know, getting flyers out, getting word out. Um, There was a time I used to write and I would write for um, promoters and review parties and get into them for free. Um, That's how I went to a lot of events back in the day. I used to travel around the Southeast, um, especially when I moved to Memphis, I didn't know anybody. Mm, nice. Excuse me, I, I didn't know anybody, so I would travel around, and I, I started writing for these blogs, and I would uh, get into shows for free to do a review, um, which is really funny how it all ties into Indie Mojo later. Um, but this infamous party, um, I moved to Indianapolis, 2005, um, I think it was, I don't have my, my dates exact. Which is rare, but somewhere in spring of 2008, I believe it was, um, I was going to a party, which I only found out about because my friend from Memphis was coming to play. Okay. And I was just like, you know, how come nobody knows about this? You know, and I'm I'm looking and it's it's promoted as a rave, which back then they were still underground enough to call them raves, but still kind of crappily thrown together. Um, which <laughs> it's a rave. Right. They were pretty, you know, for all the, the nostalgia and people talk about them, they were, some of them were just not good. Damn. <laughs> they, they pride themselves on how underground and stuff it was, but some of them were just bad. And this is one of them. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so my buddy's playing this party and, and, uh, he's coming up from Memphis and I'm like, well, dude, I'm going to be there. Like I, yeah. you know, one of my friends from Memphis, I'm, you know I'm not familiar with the promoter, a lot of the DJs. I wasn't really involved in the scene other than, you know, I'd go out. Um, every now and then are you from Memphis? Um, not, f- I lived there you for just five lived there for years. A little bit. Okay. Yeah. I, I got out of the Navy there. I was in the Navy. Oh, okay, That's a whole okay. other story, okay, but okay. I was in the Navy and got out and, and then ended up moving here after a couple of years. Um, and so my, my buddy comes up for this party and we go and it's supposed to be a warehouse party. That's how it's promoted. Um, there's a warehouse off Southeastern and, we're going and going and we're looking for this place we cannot find it and that that is also old rave sc- scene that's just kind of how it was with map points and directions and you call the hotline and yep. you go somewhere and get another get another cue to go somewhere else and oh, wow like
0: it like a scavenger it, hunt type of yes okay. it's exactly what it was
2: okay. um and that was their way of kind of making it hidden right um so it wasn't <clears throat> plastered everywhere for the cops to find you It's kind of the yep. idea yep. I mean, it's a very speakeasy style. Like, it was done, and <clears throat> not to give the whole rave history, I don't want to get into all that, but, <laughs> you know, it's how the gay scene was, and the circuit right. party scene, right. and um, uh, it, it, was a, it was taboo back then. So okay. it wasn't, I mean, yep. even much further back. Right, right. So they had to be that way, just because cops would fuck with them. Um, similar to the rave scene, when it started getting popular, drugs were heavy and stuff like that, so right. they, they tried to <clears throat> skirt it. And not be in the clubs. Even as it got into the mainstream a little bit, there were still people that would pride themselves on being underground. Yeah. Um. Just as we do. Yeah. You sure. know, it Absolutely. It compared to back then, we're not because we're in a bar yeah. that has drinks yeah. and things like yeah. that. But if you compare it to you know Live Nation and some of these big big money exactly, bars yeah. and clubs and things like it, we're we're a lot yeah. more underground than people realize yeah. sometimes. Um. And I I will stand to that. So anyway, we go to this, we we finally find this place and, and it's not a warehouse. And I think that's why we couldn't find it because we were looking for a warehouse, but it was a house that was worn down. Maybe that's what they meant. It was, it was a duplex that had been, um, empty for a while. Okay. And apparently there were some feral cats that lived there. Um, it Reeked of cat piss. Oh, the worst! I kid you the not. Worst. I to this day I refer to it as the cat piss party. Yeah, <laughs> and it was it was the cat piss party that that smelled around the world. I roll up. It was an all ages show, which back then that's what raves were okay. all ages. I knew so many teenagers, not here in Indy, but back in Memphis. Like I had friends friends that were sixteen. She, you know, it was it was and these kids fourteen. I knew a fourteen year old that used to come out to shows and. <sighs> would hang with 20 somethings. And that was just the scene. And, you know, looking back at it now, it's kind of like, do I want my, my son's 14. Yeah. Like, I don't know how I'd feel. And he, you know, out by himself with these people. I don't know. There's no parental supervision. You know, it was, it was a, it was a different time. It was a lawless time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so anyway, we're in this cat piss party. It reeks, it reeks. And there's like no one there except the 50 fricking DJs from the flyer, which it had to be (laughs) every local DJ. And, and I'm sure if I go back and talk to some of these, some of the DJs that were around back then, they were probably on the lineup. There were that many people on this lineup. How big was the place? It wasn't big, but there (laughs) were two rooms. They had two, they had two rooms set up. There was a drum and bass room, of course, and then uh the main room and it was it was literally a house. But they took all the furniture out, there was a bathroom. It was it was BYOB. Okay. All ages.
0: Yeah.
2: I pulled up with a cooler, got beer, I drank back then, <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm just like feeling really out of place. Cause by then, I guess I'm thirty something, thirty-two. Okay. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm in my thirties. Yeah. And uh you know, and I see little kids walking around like right, they had yeah. to be teenagers. I don't want to say little little kids, but, but they were still, you know, teen sixteen. Yeah, you know, it's like going, young, it's you. like going to a punk show. Yeah. You know, you'd see some kids, teenagers in there. And that's what mm-hmm. I I came up in that right. scene, and just because I could get in there, you yeah. know, and it's all ages. Sure, I'm going. We'll
0: go check it out. It's what we ha- had to do. Right. I'm 29 now, and I look at a 21 year old, a 20 year old. I'm like. You're a child. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's weird. I didn't, I never thought it would be like that. But then you just see them, you're like, oh shit, you're young as hell. And they're only 21. Yeah. Yep. And you it's think you You think when you're 21, you're an adult, you're a grown up. I remember when I turned 20, I'm like, yeah, I'm an adult, real adult now. I could get drinks and stuff. And it's, it's weird. It's yeah. so weird. But go imagine go. me at, at
2: some of these all ages shows now. I'm just <laughs> like, damn, man, I need, to, <laughs> I need to go outside or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, different time
0: yeah
2: uh so we're at this show and robert armani is the headliner he's a um he's a chicago gangster so to speak like he's he's south side chicago okay techno like just straight up you don't want to fuck with this dude damn you know okay um hardcore
1: yeah, that, that's who was here a while back, right? Yeah, he like, came, came well, but I ended up not being able to make it to something?
2: that show. Yeah. Um, I, I want to tell him this story one day, but. <laughs>
1: we'll send him a link.
2: So <laughs> at some point, you know, the the DJs that came from out of town are getting a little antsy and you could tell, like, I'm friends with, my, my friend was there and we were hanging out and he was just like, bro, I don't know if we're going to get paid. There's like nobody here. Right. Like everybody that's here is playing. Um, <sighs> it was a little strange. And. I remember at one point being outside with my buddy Nate and Robert Armani smoking a blunt, and they're talking about what they're going to do if they don't get paid. Oh, God. And it was like, you know, back then it was customary. (laughs) You're not getting money. I'm taking your turntable. I'm taking your mixer. I'm taking your gear, and I'm going to hold that until you pay me. Damn. Um, That's just.
0: Wish you could do that. That was the game. Get canceled if you do that now. (laughs)
2: I'd like for somebody to try to take my CDJ right <laughs> you'll see you'll see that old school being
0: <laughs> really come out can't touch the
2: CDJ. Um, but this place re- and I'm just I'm staying out there with those guys and I'm like, man, I don't know why this party is here. there's a nice club downtown and at the time that was club therapy and I'm like this is embarrassing. I was embarrassed. Here's my friend coming to Indy to hang out and play. Yeah. Robert Armani came down from Chicago and he was a big deal. Yeah. And and I'm just embarrassed for this city. I'm like, this is unacceptable. Right. And cat me, piss, no one's showing up. Oh, up, dude. Like, even the not showing up. I've had empty parties. I've had stuff. That's know, just part of the game. Same, yeah. Um, but yeah, It the whole cat piss thing, <laughs> the, the the location, they worked so hard to be underground that it didn't deserve to be above ground. It was not (laughs) for, it was not for, I I don't know. I I don't want to get, I don't want to beat it up too bad, but it's a good thing. There wasn't much attendance. It was a good thing for the city ultimately because it inspired me. Yeah. It told me something needed to be done. I've always been one of those people that it's, I'm a put up or shut up person. Yeah. You know, people yap my ear off all the time, bro, you should do this. You should do that. I'm like, why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you doing right. it? Right, And, you know, I don't mean to be that, be a dick about it, right, but it's right. like, hey. dude, you, it takes effort. It takes work. It takes, you know, ideas take, you got to put the labor in, you yeah. know, It takes and, time. For and sure. rather than sit there and bitch about it, yeah. although I did bitch to my friends that night because I was just appalled. Sure. Um, yeah, Absolutely. I was appalled by it. And it, uh, it led me to figure out, I was like, I know I can do better than this. Yeah. I'm we deserve better than this. And I put together a show that summer August 23rd,
0: 2008. Hey. Um
2: at Club Therapy, which I know <laughs> I know now why they didn't want to use Club Therapy. Um they weren't real friendly with ravers and uh, um they didn't they wanted to kind of distance themselves from those people. Right. Um they weren't all ages. It was 21 and up, sure, you know, sure. typical Bar club rules. Yeah. Excuse me. But it was still, it had a good sound system. It didn't smell like cat piss.
0: Perfect. Already um, cool. two pluses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It actually, it was, it was a nice club. At the time, um, it was kind of hidden away, so it still had a little underground vibe. Yeah. It wasn't a mainstream club by any means. Okay. Um, Where was uh,
0: Club, would you say, Therapy?
2: Therapy. Um, it's all different now, but it was on Market Street.
0: Market Street, okay.
2: At that time, the 70 Overpass... Went right through there, Whoa. Um, not far from where Market Square Arena used to be. Okay. Now, that wasn't there at that time, but kind of where Market Street would go, and then you could just get up on the interstate, oh. like um, I think Ohio is now. Okay. You know where that It's cash and carry warehouse is right yeah. there on the okay. corner of college? and. Uh, yep. Is that Market? I think that is I Market Street. That used to be the run. overpass to get on 70. Oh, okay. Right under there was Club Therapy. Oh, that's
0: kind of cool. A little hidden. I see what you're saying. Yeah.
2: Um, it was kind of tucked away, but still like in the heart of downtown. Right, right. Just north of, yep. of I think is where that is. Yep. Um no. not far from here, really. No, it's just down the street. Uh and we'll cut that out. <laughs> oh
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's all right. Come to my house.
2: I'll <laughs> be waiting. <laughs> <All right. laughs> we'll show you what happens. Exactly. Um and uh put together my first show. It wasn't thrilling but i brought a couple of my friends from memphis and uh seth nichols who at the time um was like a top just kidding was a top uh techno dj Dope. okay techno tech house and owned the local record store nice um, in beach grove i forget what it was called evolve records at the time when he took it on online it turned into love vinyl records um, but he was, he was my personal, one of my personal favorites and had a little popularity to him. So I wanted to pair some, get some out of town. The whole idea was not to bring big famous guys. It was to bring just a new name, a sure. fresh name. Yeah. So I brought my buddies up from Memphis and paired them with a local just to make it, you know, something new and shiny. Yeah. And, uh, I promoted the crap out of it. And I think I had like at the end of the night, I think I may have had like, I had a sponsor. Um, Hello. that was cool for, for a first show. You don't see a lot of
1: that. Yeah.
0: When you, when you mean promote, what, what was that like back then? Was it like flyers? Oh yeah. Uh, just a bunch flyers in MySpace. space, my well, space at the time.
1: MySpace. You know, you were talking the other day, um, with Rudy about how it wasn't, it was this in that time where it's like, you know, we're so used to it being all about the DJs and just staring at the stage right now, which seems weird to people from that were around then. Yeah, was that still that kind of, kind of changing then, or was that?
2: I think more people danced back then. Mm -hmm. No offense to young kids now, but they they just kind of bob and weave and throw their hands in the air. There's some (laughs) dancers, but it's not like it used to be. And and especially as a dancer, like you don't see break circles anymore. No, No, not at not at our shows. Yeah, um, which is unfortunate. And when I started doing events, if I saw dancers, I would give them. I would guest list them. Damn. But that's how rare they were here. I just to start dancing more. Shit. No, I, I mean like the good dancers, Seth. You're going to have to work <laughs> on your TikTok game. Really and I'm not talking about game. your choreographed TikTok crap either. Shit. These are these like, like the breakers and poppers. and. I used to have a decent um, little footwork. I used to go, in fact, Thursday nights at the Casbah. Um, the Casbah. Top Speed. That was his night for, okay. for years. And it was a breaker bar. You know, it I was remember. straight up. God. You would go down there and it was nothing but a break circle. Oh, that sounds so And I so mean, awesome. like, there were people that would travel from out of town oh. and show up and there would be battles. There would be, like, some of the best dancers I've seen in this state. Uh, there was a whole crew up in Fort Wayne. Well, uh, at, They had some girls, too, and they damn. were badass. At
1: Fort Wayne orange? was getting it then, too? Was it Orange when uh, yep. Top Speed and Buck Rogers played together? I saw that they brought out cardboard and everything. And like, I was like, shit, what I never fuck? see this at shows. I've and never, these guys were like, yep. Fucking dancing. Uh, there's dancing a whole, there's a
2: whole shit. scene here, but they, they aren't at least here. They aren't as into the electronic scene, so You got to work to get them out. Um, I, am not as in tune with it now. Cause it's, they're few and far between. And some of my, my guys that used to dance, they've all moved away. Um, I'm sure they're still here. There was a whole scene at IUPUI for a while. Um, But that's who I would guest list. You know, not, oh, here's this cute chick. Give him a guest list. I'd give the dancers a guest list because that's that's what I want to see is people Mm -hmm. dancing on the dance floor. And not just the whole, you know, know, I'm waving
0: my hand. Right, Like these are like. Legit, they're gonna push you out of the way. Legit so you dancers can like get going. I mean, when there's dancers in the crowd, it inspires other people to move. Yes, it really does. Because yes. like, there's sometimes where I'm just like, usually more so at festivals, I'm more wild. I'll be like, I'll be out there just doing something yep. stupid. Um, Why do you think that is? Less people I know, maybe because I get a little bit shy. The inhibition
2: drops. Yeah, I just there's like, more people in general. Right. Yep. So there's less that you know. You're, you yep. lose that you lose that inhibition that yep. keeps you from doing it. Right. So when some guys out there getting all the attention, pop, locking, break dancing, whatever yeah. he's doing um, at first, you're going to be like, shit, I can't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And you may not get out there, yeah. but as people surround him and do that, they're not paying attention to you anymore.
0: Exactly, exactly. And
2: that stuff matters. Right. As a promoter. Oh, yeah. That that's as a dancer yeah. that mattered to me. And. Um, as a promoter, I wanted to see more of that. Right. Um, so, you know, had, you know, back to that, that party, I had like 120 people, I think something in that range. It wasn't much more than that. If it was, but it was over a hundred and I was discouraged. I was a little disappointed. I'm like, damn, I thought we could have done better. Like I knew, you know, I, I promoted it pretty heavy. Um, and at the end of the night, you know, the guy that was running the club at the time came up to me, he's like, dude, don't be discouraged. I didn't know a single person here and I know everyone in the scene.
0: Oh damn. He's All like, right.
2: you brought 120 people that had never been here and that, Bunch of new that faces. is nothing to scoff at. Yeah. And that encouraged me a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And and what it told me was that I needed to be in the scene. Right. I needed, be, I couldn't just be a guy that put a fucking flyer up yeah. that said, come to this show and people would show up. Yeah. I knew I had to immerse myself in the scene Um, and that was in 2008. My son was born that spring. Uh, so I was a little busy and, and I was able to do the show, but it took me a while to come back to it. And I actually got laid off from my job, um, the next spring. And I decided while I was, um, looking for a job, collecting unemployment, I would do it again, but try it a little differently. Yeah. And that summer of 2009, I got on the Indie Mojo website, which at that time was just a message board. Um, okay. They were party starters. They were bar promoters. They would okay. um, take over Land Sharks um, mm. or the Ugly Monkey. Yep. Or the Ugly you know, Monkey. Yeah, the Ugly Monkey. A lot of people probably aren't. Monkey. You probably aren't old enough to know it. the monkey. I don't monkey know is. that one. It was sure. basically across from Lucas Oil Stadium. Oh, okay. Right there on Illinois and okay. South Street, okay, right on the corner. Okay, it was a it was considered like an off strip club, so oh. it was ratchet. Yeah, like yeah. how <laughs> the, the clubs downtown were very or on Meridian are very like prim and proper at that time. No hats, you know, no change. You couldn't yeah. do whatever. Ugly Monkey had a, had other rules or no rules. <laughs> it it would get wild in there. That's what I heard about Sounds it. Like um, a good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not really my scene, but mm-hmm. that's that's what Indie Mojo did. They would um the bar would pay them to say, "Hey, this is the spot." And they would roll deep. And I'm talking like a mm. couple hundred people. Damn. Because they would promote it on their website, yeah. and everybody, it was <laughs> a big it was before everyone had Facebook on their phones. You know, people right. would use Facebook, but it wasn't as mobile. It was computer. You know, same yeah. with MySpace. It yeah. Everything wasn't mobile then. No, yeah. So um Indie Mojo was kind of like that off the beaten path where big companies would, um, we called it, they called it uh, Indies, Indie's Online Playground because the big companies would block MySpace and Facebook so you couldn't use it at work. But they, oh. they didn't know to block Indie Mojo because okay. it wasn't big enough to really know. Right. So locally, you could get on Indie Mojo, it would have lists of events and things like that, but then they had the ones that they would promote. Land Sharks on Wednesdays. They did Wild Wednesdays at Land Sharks for, like, six years, I think, which at the time was, Wednesday. was a long time. Sheesh. And they would th- they would get buck on Wednesday <laughs> nights. And I would go to try to, like, hang out, talk to them, like, here's my flyer, come to this stuff that's way different than this. Yep. Not Top 40 at all. Nope. And it was an uphill battle. I got on there, and I got on the website, and I would promote my show. And people were like, oh, man, this is different. But they would kind of, like, look at it and go, but that's not what Indie Mojo is telling us to go to, so – you know, whatever. So, I got a few people from that, for, from a show. And that's when uh, I met Jason King that summer. He was a newer owner of, of Indie Mojo. And uh, he he was like, dude, you've got to come out and meet these people. Yeah. you got to come out. If you want them, you got to, you know. So, I was working on the underground scene. I was going to all the shows. I went to every show. Damn. All of them. Okay. Which, at the time, there weren't as many, to be fair. Still? And... I went to all of them, the yeah. weeklies, I went to Slater's events. He was doing um, a Sunday night thing up in uh, by the fashion mall. Oh, okay. can't remember. The, it was Lulu's, I think is what it was called. Okay, He'll yeah, probably remember better than me, but um, that's where I met Slater. I went, I went and met every promoter. I introduced myself to every DJ. Um, nice. Like, oh, you spin? Like, what do you play? You yeah. know, I just start a conversation. I moved here from Memphis, blah, 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 yeah. thinking about doing shows, or I've got the show coming up. And I just started like I was running for Congress. Not even kidding. And it was more of just like I wanted to meet these people. I wanted them to know who I was. And that way I wasn't just a flyer on the wall.
0: Right, right. Wasn't
2: just like, here, come to this show. It was, there's this new guy in town that's doing shows, and he comes to all the events. He supports everybody. Um, I even went as far. I was like sharing other people's events all the time, um, telling my friends about it. I would go out. You know, I, I got laid off from my job, so I was going. You know, the, there was a Tuesday night at the Mel called Juxtapose at the time. Um, there was uh, there was a few a bunch of different things, and I would go to everything, literally Damn. every single event. Damn. Um, and just introduce myself, talk to everybody, and you know, it took time. But,
0: of course. Yeah. You know,
2: yeah. I I did my 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 second show was a year almost to the date. It was like August twenty second. Oh, okay. 2019. Yeah. Not even kidding. It was almost to the date. Um, and it was up in Fisher's at a, a bar called Bentley's, um, which I think is like a David's Cafe or something now. <laughs> it, it was a stacked pickle for a minute. But it's up there on 116th in Allisonville in a shopping center. Um, so trying to get people to go to Hamilton County was another yeah. situation altogether, <laughs> which I learned. But I lived in Fisher's. Oh, okay, I just saw okay. this bar and they were doing hip hop events and stuff. And I'm like, Maybe they'll let me do this. Yeah, we
0: could do a little something. Let me see what I can get away with. Yeah, That's exactly. the rave mentality. Yeah.
2: Everything's a venue. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything's a venue. Yeah. And they already had sound. Perfect. You know, they they already knew they were already doing ticketed events yep. and things. And I'm like, "Man, I'm from the neighborhood. Let me let me go talk to these guys." And I I did a show up there. I probably had 150, 200 people. I charged like three bucks or something crazy. I mean, that's a good brought up out. another brought up another friend from Memphis to headline with a couple locals. Um, but still, in my mind, could have been better. And that's when I went to Jason. I'm like, you know, how do I get these other people? I've got like some of the, the rave kids. At that point, I kind of had a little, not really, I don't want to say a following, but people that wanted to come out because they wanted to play. Here's another promoter that yeah. I can talk into
1: playing. Right. For, you know so how many uh, how was that like um with the amount of djs spending that kind of stuff at that time where a lot of those like top 40 guys like oh shit i've been wanting to play this kind of stuff or did you find no not so much then um was there like a select few that you had i mean it's a little different getting into it then also you yeah i didn't know anybody board. i didn't know anybody um so I had to
2: go, and that was kind of my thing back then. Is I I had to see someone play before yeah. I put them on a show. Yeah. Um, and at that time, because I was going to everything, it didn't take long. I mm-hmm. saw everyone. Yeah. Um, and I could see. You know, and and I'm I'm a guy that likes I, I like the humble. Performers and uh, we are do not don't was never really into those pound my chest. Um, typically, you know, male Neanderthal types (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, and there was a lot of those and there's a lot of those still. And, you you know, and I just, not that I can't get along with them as people, but that's not who I wanted to put on my stage at the time. And I, I liked the more quiet types. You know, I learned sometimes they aren't the best promoters, um, (laughs) which is kind of where, I was like, you know what, I I'm the marketing guy. I should be doing this. And okay, yeah. And that was when, eventually, I started a crew, a collective of of DJs and producers. And ninety nine percent of them were the quiet types. Right. <laughs> um, right. I can get to that a little bit, but I, you know, I I <clears throat> started promoting shows, trying to get people to come out. I knew I had some of the rave scene there, and what I needed was that. Something else. I needed more than just who's in the scene. I needed these extras. Um, And that's where the Indie Mojo stuff came in. And I went to Jason, and he was like, you got to come out. So I started going to, on top of going to everything in the rave scene, (laughs) I started going to Wild Wednesdays. Started going to um, Tiki Bob's. Started going to, or it wasn't Tiki Bob's. It was Have a Nice Day Cafe. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I went to. The light up dance floor. Yes. I remember that. Um, Smoking in that bar. Yeah, it was wild. The good old mm-hmm. days. It was some crazy shit went down in that place, <laughs> notoriously, um, like not good things. Oh, <laughs> well, we can edit that out. That's a um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I got Jason to kind of sign off on it, and he showed up to an event and was like, kind of gave me a little nod. It was like, do you want to not do this at Bentley's anymore? How, how big do you want to go?
0: Oh, wow. He's like,
2: how big do you want to do this? He's, and, and at that time, like, not a lot of people knew me. Right. And he liked that. He mm-hmm. said he liked that because I didn't have time to make enemies.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: I was new enough that people didn't hate me yet. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he liked that. And I had an idea, and he had a new club that just opened. It wasn't his, but he worked out a deal. They were building the website for True Nightclub, um, which was in the heart of Broad Ripple. It's the old Eden or Seven. Um, Slater had a residency there too, and it was like it had a mechanical bull when he was there. And I can't remember was it there an NBA player involved? In that, that? Was, that was Jermaine O'Neal. That was okay, when it was yeah. Seven, and right. Seven owned when Jermaine O'Neal owned it. It was called Seven. That All was right. his his jersey okay. number. Um, ah, okay. So a new owner bought it after Seven, and it was. Uh, called True, T-R-U. And they worked out a deal to build the website, run the social media, which is another part of Indie Mojo. It's what they did at the time um, to help keep the lights on and things. Yep. And uh, they worked out a deal with them to, to do all that stuff for them. And we would get, they would get a monthly show. Okay. To do whatever and we'd get the door. Um, so that's where the idea came and Jason put, the two things together here's this young promoter that no one hates yet yeah (laughs) um he's got a captive audience to an extent yeah and it's something different than the average crap that goes on in broad ripple right no offense broad ripple if you're watching i know you're not but that's okay (laughs) right just in case just in case um so now jason's like how big do you want to do this don't do any more shows at bentley's come do this thing at this big club and i'm like now we're talking now we're in on the strip so now Matt Ramsey's out peddling flyers on Broad Ripple on the strip, two AM, getting flyers smacked out of my hands. I, I was literally the entire street team. But that's I I was out to do it, man. I was down to make it happen. Yeah. I, I can't tell you I mean, I guess you most people can see the passion. If they can't, they're not paying attention. Exactly. I think I I mean it started with me handing out flyers and well, it started at a cat piss party. Yeah. But <clears throat> went to me evolved you know, to the handing out flyers in broad ripple man and and these kids didn't give a shit they were just like what is this and i'm like let's go to something different boom like you pay 10 bucks to get a land sharks here's a party for five at this club right here and at the time the club was new so it was like a shiny penny Mm -hmm. okay okay. um so our first show was in december 2009 after that show i had a business card
0: (laughs) Nice. yeah Stepping it up. I, I had a business
2: card, and I was officially part of Indie Mojo, um, which at the time didn't it didn't mean the same thing it means now. Um, but it uh, it really changed the direction of Indie Mojo. We found that we could make money doing our own events instead of making all this money for these other bars doing mm-hmm. top 40 stuff. Right, right. Um, and we could do something unique, and there was a demand for it. Yeah. There were other promoters and, and they were doing bigger things, you know, and, and have we actually caught some heat? There were, there was another promoter that was talking shit. I mean, there's always that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Excuse me. There's always that. Um, there's another promoter. I remember talking shit about like, when are you guys going to get some balls and and book some, some big talent? like, why do we have to? We're, we're doing $5 shows and getting these people that don't know anything about the scene to come out to a frickin' techno party.
0: Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And at that
2: time, it was a big techno and house scene in Indy. So it was techno, house, and then we did, like, drum and bass, and there might be one dubstep guy downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Not kidding. The scene has flipped That's completely. I was just gonna say. The little
0: completely. Little flip, yeah. Okay.
2: You know, and we did a monthly at True for a few months. We did it till the next summer. Um, but there's a break in there. Um, April... 8th 2009 base nectar and major laser are at the vogue it's on a thursday night wow (laughs) yeah base nectar and original major laser with diplo
0: with diplo Mm -hmm. in it yeah
2: i mean it was to the point just to give you an idea of how it was at the time people argued over who should headline Damn. That's how not big Bass Nectar was at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Oh. The hipsters and indie rock kids were all arguing that Major Laser should be headlining that show. And this Bass Nectar dude that they didn't really know about yeah. should be opening for them.
1: Right,
0: right, right.
2: Which at that time, Major Laser show, and if you've ever been to one or seen one, it gets wild. It's, it's Jamaican. Yeah. Right, right. They do daggering. Mm-hmm. Like they get up on ladders oh. and jump off on people. And it's like, If you don't know what daggering is, I suggest go look up daggering.
0: Google some daggering. I don't even know what that is.
2: YouTube it. Daggering.
0: Jeez. Okay.
2: It's, it's, it's a wild party basically. And it's, it's a lot of like air humping and stuff. Like, I don't know how to explain (laughs) it. That's (laughs) the best description. Don't let that stop you from looking it up. You need to go look it up so you can see it for yourself. Um, So there was a Thursday night. And at that time there was a, a house night, a house and techno night at the Red Room. On Thursday nights mm. run by Jack Shepler. Okay. And Taylor Norris, a couple of friends of mine. Okay. And uh, at the at the time. And they uh, they were like, We should do an after party, but we that's not our scene. We don't know anything about that. Yeah. So they asked the Tuesday night guys, the juxtaposed guys, to do it. Um they were <laughs> how do I put this? <laughs> they were they were a group of DJs that didn't really know how to do a lot of events they didn't have the cohesiveness okay, to yeah. really put an event together so they asked for my help um, which at the time you know I'm like five events in you okay. know oh, okay. I didn't I didn't exactly know what I was right, doing either right. I'll be completely honest yeah. <laughs> um just but that <laughs> when you give me an opportunity I'm gonna seize it and I'm gonna I'm gonna make it I'm gonna give it my all yeah mm-hmm. so at that time we were bringing up all my friends from Memphis different things, and I'm like, who in Memphis makes dubstep um, so that I could bring them up for this Bass Nectar after party? Yeah, okay. So I hit up this kid that no one knew named Alex Epps, a.k.a. Cyber Optics.
0: Whoa. Yeah, what episode was that? He
2: had just started making dubstep. He used to make trance. Don't tell him I told you that.
0: I'm definitely going to. He
2: used to make trance. He um, was an unknown... Made a few had a few tracks, had one on a label that was from down there. Um, but he made dubstep. Yeah. That's all that mattered. I wanted that mm-hmm. was my whole thing. Bring Shiny Penny, somebody from out of town that no one knows the name, that I yep. can go, here's one of his tracks, here's two of his tracks, yep. and go on. Um, he came up and we had a couple of our local guys play and uh that were part of the the juxtapose crew. And uh as soon as Base Nectar let out, the Red Room was at capacity,
0: like <laughs> <Nice>. instantly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and we were one of a couple after parties. But Red Room compared to a sold-out Vogue, yeah. which at the time, the Vogue held like 700. It was before they took out one of the bars. So they, it was like a seven 800 cap oh, at the okay. time. Okay. But still, the Red Room was at capacity instantly, and uh, right as Cyber Optics went on. Um, that established him in our market really quick. Oh, that's so sick. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so dope.
2: But at the end of that night, it was the craziest thing we'd ever done. At least for me. Yeah. And, and 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 for the underground. It was it was a big night. And Jason and I looked at each other and we were like, How do we duplicate this?
0: Right. Excuse
2: me. That night inspired
0: Altered Thursdays. Oh, nice. Okay, and
2: Ooh. by August, Altered Thursdays was born. Damn. Um, so that's the history with Cyber Optics. Sheesh. That summer, he got signed to Play Me Records. Reed Speed moved him out to L.A., and he blew up. Damn. He was he was touring. He he became a big deal, and we got him at the bottom. Like right. It was, so for me, my relationship with Alex, Cyber Optics. Um, we were really running parallel lives. Back to the very beginning of our conversation, yeah. you're talking about being on opposite ends yep. of of the event spectrum. Um, he and I bonded in that. Like we we started altered Thursdays, and it became a thing. And Damn. and he went on to write an album for Play Me and was touring and playing some pretty big shows and God, festivals.
0: That's and, so
2: and awesome. we kind of bonded from that. And he was the first out-of-town national act yeah. that we, we booked there, and we did it for free. We flew Whoa. him in, did a free show, and uh, it was nuts. Wow. That's what we used to do back then. We, didn't, we were afraid to charge a cover because it was new. And
0: Of course. I, the, I the history do.
2: of Altered Thursdays is crazy. I could spend a whole freaking hour talking about that. But Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was, he was the first, the first headliner. That we did, and we did it for free, and I mean, it was a small headliner, but still, but, I it, mean, was, hey. it was he was an out of town guy on a major label at the time, yeah. pretty pretty major, yeah. um, and uh, in came the dubstep scene, and then it and just that we, from we then. we <laughs> built it. Well, we started it after that. The Thursday at the Red Room, they decided to quit that summer. They they got tired of doing it. They all had you know they had families, they had you know nine to five jobs. Yeah. It was it was a lot of work for them. Um, so we kind of waited cause the mousetrap was trying to get us to come in all that summer. And we waited for them to end because Slater was doing his Thursday downtown. They were doing Thursday in broad ripple. Oh, it's like, I'm not, I'm not going to do another Thursday yeah, night yeah. with all that. The scene wasn't big enough to, to hold that. So out of respect, I, we waited until, um, it was called the get down, the get down at the red room when they, when they ended, um, We picked up the torch, and and that became indie. And we made it, you know, broken beats. It was a broken beat night. So it was dubstep, drum and bass. Oh, okay, okay. Break beat. Damn. Non-four on the floor, because that's what Slater was doing downtown. So we were like, let's, you know, maybe two house nights can't survive
1: at the same time. but Multi-genre. We
2: we knew there was a whole other demographic um, that wanted bass music. So that was... August fifth, two thousand ten, we started altered Thursdays, and Damn. we took back to the the humble part. We took basically the guys that were in the background, in the shadows of the juxtapose crew um, from their night. They were a bunch of drum and bass and dubstep kids. Yeah, and uh, we liked the guys that weren't pounding their chests and and doing those things, and we made them our residents and damn they became legends Sheesh. i mean instantly yeah we we put them on a pedestal and our night took off we had them play every week you know in some sort of rotation right, one of right, them, right. one of them played every week was sure. kind of the thing yeah cool. and uh they became like the top guys in the city really quick i mean they yeah. were really talented they were of just quiet yeah quieter yeah um synapse he was Just the quietest dude. They called him Dubstep Jesus because he had long, (laughs) he had long hair, and and just had this whole like he played like a lot of deep stuff. He'd play drum and bass, but he'd play some like really deep dubstep, which just had everybody swaying. It it was a crazy time back then, man. And uh, and they became local heroes. Like it was pretty cool how it all kind of came together. People, it's like people were waiting. People were waiting for that they needed scene so. to happen, yeah. mm-hmm. and that's that's we tried to capture that base nectar night. Right, before we're allowed to talk about him. I don't know, but yeah. he it, it happened that night. It happened, and and it inspired so much. And that it all goes back to the cat piss party that launched a thousand <laughs> ships. It, Dude, that's so it. Odd. It did it. It. That's I, so
0: awesome. I get
2: inspired by things like that, and when I get inspired, like look the fuck out. Yeah. Camp Terror is the recent thing with that, you know. Yes, I mean, not to completely jump you know, fast forward to now, but that uh, is mean, a passion project in itself. That is is a lot of work that which is years of accumulated effort and inspiration. That's a lot
0: of progress. I mean, I mean, it was a lot of time went by, yeah, and but still, it's just like the fact that we're even to that to Camp yeah. Terror, which I'm super and excited yeah. about.
1: We're bringing Cyber Optics.
2: Cyber Optics is so. playing.
1: Yep, get Let's your chance. He it out. he's
2: making different music now. He's doing a lot of synthwave stuff, yep. making stuff for like movies and things. Like yep. that's kind of his niche now. But um, we had him up here last year. Yeah, yeah it was last year. He yeah. did a he did a nice little hybrid I'm uh, so dubstep synthwave set. I'm it so was sad. I missed so, so well done. God. So well done. Everyone, he, he's everyone. the sleeper on that lineup. When yeah. when we announced that lineup, everyone well people got excited, obviously. His name came up more than most of like really? holy shit I have not seen that name in so long. Oh, that's so awesome. That's why I'm glad we we put him up in the in the rafters on yep, that one. Yep. That was a uh-huh. good. I you know I just all credit to him, man. Well, not him. Between the two of us, like but that still. was parallel lives and yep. and he's from Memphis. Oh, nice. Just the roots thing, man. I I
0: I try to give back to the people that inspire me. Just for the people who are listening right now who are coming back and joining us, appreciate you. Who are some of the artists that are going to be on Camp Terror? You can name a couple off? Um, figure. Figure, for the, sure. We built it all around figure.
2: He's he's Love a friend. Figure. I've I've booked Josh since 2011. Yeah. Um, that was when, kind of when, <laughs> it's funny, he didn't even make dubstep before that. Uh, he was making like Electro House or Fidget House, is what they called wow. it back then. Yeah. And he did yeah, a lot I of hip hop and know he that. would uh he did scratching and stuff. He's a turntablist.
0: I've seen I've seen him a few times in Chicago when he was doing the turntabling turntablist uh, stuff. Turntablism? Yeah. I don't know what the word I'm trying to say. <laughs> Turntablism. Yeah. It's a it's, um, a it's a it's a lot of syllables. Right. But he was doing it with the Serato connected to the visuals. Yeah. So when he would scratch the visuals, I remember oh, that's sick. It was at the Concord uh, in Chicago and um, I remember there was like this, like Ninja Turtles part when he was scratching. They were like doing this little like jig. <laughs> it was just so funny. Yeah, I well, love seeing figure. I've seen him a bunch, and it's it's gonna be so
1: perfect with it because I've always thought of him as like the equivalent of Rob Zombie for like electronic music. Yeah, yeah. yeah like the horror theme. Yep. Dude, he writes.
2: Yep. He writes for Universal. Yeah, he writes. I just found he writes out, music like, for Hollywood yeah. horror nights.
0: Yep. Yeah, so, we need to get uh, him on here, please. That would be. I bet he'd do it. God, that would be. I bet he'd do it. That'd be a huge catch for me because I've. We'll I've, do that. Switch camera. I've been, like I said, I've seen him probably even before here, um, four or five times at least. Yeah. That I could think of off the top of my head, and every time I've seen him, I'm just like holy shit, I've seen him in Lafayette too, actually, yep. uh, at the Lafayette Theater. Yeah, we helped um, with that show. Did you really? Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Um, Yeah, um, you know, we built it around him, the horror theme. We wanted something unique um, and not just another festival. Yeah. So we thought... You know, we're all Halloween guys. Right. Mm-hmm. That was kind of our you know, I've did the zombie walk for twelve years. We used to put the zombie the Broad Ripple Zombie Walk together. So is, that, is that
0: still a thing? No. Oh, yeah okay, It just
2: I... it was a charity event and we just got so busy. It was really hard to do it got so big that uh the Broad Ripple Village Association was cracking down on us. We had to get permits, we had to close off the streets, we had to pay this and pay that. Uh, and it just it got to where even though it was a charity event, we made no money. and In fact, it cost us money. Right. Um, we'd get T-shirts made, but they would be... Um, we'd get them sponsored, so that would help. So we yeah. wouldn't be out all that cash. Sometimes yeah. we would, but um, it was a lot of work for a great cause, Gleaners sure. Food Bank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're actually bringing it back this year. Whoa. Um, we'll talk about that another time. Um, but... <laughs> Because it's the same weekend as yeah. Camp Terror,
0: is it really? <laughs> yes. Uh.
2: Um, but we're involved because we freaking
1: do everything. Um, <laughs> just, just drop your donations off, yeah, on your way to. Yeah, there Terror. you go. Abel's hey, Radio. we
2: will accept all gleaners' donations at Camp yeah. Terror as well. There we go. Um, but uh, yeah, we've we've done the we've done the Zombie Walk for a long time, so a lot of you know Indie Mojo's roots are with. Blood and guts. Yeah, and oh, yeah. Uh, Mike's a big horror fan, and you know oh, it, was, it was and obviously with uh, with figure it was a perfect little dynamic that um, we thought we could build something off of and be yeah. something unique. Yep. Um, we looked at a lot of artists that we felt fit the vibe we were looking for. You know, Shanghai Doom. They, they do their their uh, Halloween EP every yep. year. Cyber Optics was a must. A hundred drums. A hundred <laughs> drums was my. She was my, uh, I don't even know what to call it. I, excuse me. There's been, the universe has had a, uh, something like we've been on a collision course for a while. Yeah. And, okay. uh, I've just been wanting this to happen and I've been working on it for a while. And then, um, the dates lined up and I was just like, I have to have her. And I, I went after her right after figure. Um, she was a must for me to get on there. So we confirmed her pretty early. Um, Sub Doctor was another one. Yeah, um, he's a local mm-hmm. favorite. I think a lot of people like him. Yep, he's he's yep, one yep. of those guys. that has got a lot of personality and just he's charisma. Real and just yep. real, real cool with people. Yep, good music um, too. Great music. Yeah, all of them. I'd say that about everybody. And it, yeah. it's a very. I, I think it's a very blue collar lineup. Yeah, like Hell these yeah. aren't the pretty boys. Right, right. Um, these aren't the glam. Um, big broom dubstep guys, yeah, like Mm -hmm. they're the gritty, dirty, their hands, their hands are dirty. Yes. Very much of that. And that to me fits us. It fits figure. Yep. Um, and that's what I wanted to build this event around. Um, you know, without cat piss. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) So I feel like we did a good job of, of making a pretty eclectic lineup. Um, not a lot of house, but there is house there's trance. Hey. Um, there's going to be a little bit of everything, I think. I'm going to be playing some house.
0: Oh, you're on the lineup? I, th- I believe so. We didn't take him off the lineup? I think I might be on the lineup. You might, with you might be cut. He's going to say it after that. <laughs> so. Look out for that super group. Kill the scapegoat. Kill the scapegoat. Ooh. Mr. Wizard, smiles. high fives and smiles. Yep. appreciate you putting us on. that. Honestly, I was just like, hey, this might be the only opportunity to really get something going for us. and Yeah. yeah. It worked
2: for me. It was able to. You know, I've put the three of you on one time slot, so it works. And yeah, no, You okay, guys can get debut. late night sets. Exactly. We'll figure that out. Oh, yeah. there's late night sets. Ooh. Yep.
0: Unannounced late night sets. Oh my god, I'm get really excited for that. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is a great podcast. I appreciate you coming along. Want to wrap it up because. Oh, we had our time. We had that hour, hour five. Ooh, not even. Five. I didn't even want to stop you because we were like, hey, I maybe, don't even we'll, know. maybe we'll do like a little 45-minute warning, but you were going with the perfect story. Sorry. I'm not gonna yeah, say. that, no, that was a perfect. long story, but it, it kind yeah. of, it, it gets
2: us to here, and a lot of these kids don't know my background, mm-hmm. where exactly. I came from. They just, oh, I'm Matt Ramsey, who's, right. you know, <laughs> big corporate indie mojo. <laughs> exactly. Um, You know, I came from the rave roots, man. I've been in this scene since 1995.
1: And, uh, Damn son, the real rave shit. And I, how long is that? It's 27 years. 27 math, that was years. really good. I hope that, that was, was correct. That was
0: really, we'll take it. 27
2: is <laughs> yeah. my number too. So, um, Damn, I, yeah. you know, it, it's come a long way. I have put a lot of work into it. A lot of passion, um, a lot of blood, sweat and tears. Yep. I've been married and divorced and essentially married and divorced again. <laughs> um, <laughs> it
0: uh <laughs> i'm single ladies um
2: it's it's been a long road and a lot of heartache um both with friends with um people we've lost yeah. like they're dead now yeah. unfortunately rest yeah. in peace yeah. to all of them Jose um i could name a few more i'll I'll save us the, the sad part but um we've lost some people and it's not easy, man. And we've, again, we've right. had to adapt. The communities come together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've done charity events. We, we try to give back as much as we can. Right. Um, and, and give back to a lot of the, the producer and DJ types that, that right. are coming up. They're the backbone of this scene. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people give me credit, you know, but I'm just, I'm kind of the glue. Yeah. I kind of just glue and, and make sure, you know, the scene stays safe, We keep dirt bags out. And, right. and exactly. just not good people. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's how the the scene will thrive and go is if we, we lean on each other and grow each other. And exactly that, that's all I try to do. And I think it helps that I'm, I'm a little older and I don't drink, you know, I'm not out there partying <laughs> and party, doing, yep. man, there was a time that, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I could go on about get, that too, about there was a shift somewhere along the way. And, and part of it came when I stopped drinking, I started taking it a lot more serious and it became oh, yeah. more professional. Um, the shows got better shows got bigger. Yeah. We started doing a lot more. And and I feel like a big part of that was me giving up alcohol. So not to get on that, but.
0: Honestly, we're going to have to have a part two. Yeah. (laughs) I could talk to you all day, honestly. I didn't even talk
2: about Caspa. I didn't even talk about, like, some of those shows that just, like, really emboldened me and made me feel like I could do anything. Right. There's some of those. And that it's just like I get this fire. It's like the anniversary show every year for Altered Thursdays, it it's the segue into the second half of the year and the second mm. half of the year is always nasty Yeah, because uh-huh. it just gives me confidence and it becomes a, um, a snowball effect. Right. That and stands true for this
1: year for sure. Yeah. Too. There's yeah.
2: some big ones coming. <laughs> oh shit. I'm announcing yeah. like three shows tomorrow.
0: <laughs> Damn son. The t- yeah. The, uh, mm-hmm. as of I guess
2: by the time this comes out, yeah.
0: it, it so down will be announced. Someone. Yeah. A lot of these will be, I'm going to try to get this out. ASAP. So I do, yep. I gotta do a, a little bit of editing and, uh, and go to work. And, uh, yeah, I'm still uh, on my blue collar shit. If you yep. guys remembered, uh, it's all we, good, man. We'll be are. there too.
2: See? Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do and to make yeah. music on the side and, and to take it from hobby. And that's what I had to do is, is a lot of work on the side. And that's really yeah. why I've gone through those relationships is, you know, it's not just one job. I got to do two jobs right. and the family job. Exactly. And, you know, I don't think people realize that, how much work goes into this. I'm not just sitting at my desk all day just like, I want to sell tickets, and I push a button, and it just, boom, there's the show. If only. I had to build a lot of these relationships from scratch, and it it started with me supporting every show, going to every show, supporting every DJ, getting to know every DJ, and and working my way up, and that became, now that DJ's Liquid Stranger, you know, (laughs) now that DJ's, you know, 12th planet you know i i have relationships with these people now because i've done it for so long um that it's it's nice you know i mean i'm not calling martin up and hitting him up and going hey let's hang out right of course but he knows who i am but you know know, and that's that stuff matters relationships over time you're a good person long enough people are gonna remember that you're a bad person.